0: place, God. Just give us the guidance, the wisdom, God, to see what's in your word. God, help us to learn, um, to lead in our lives, Lord. Today, we're going to be learning uh, many wonderful things that your word has to teach us, God. So just give us that understanding, give us that revelation. In Jesus' name, amen. So, today's lesson, um, we're discussing learning to lead. We're talking about learning to lead our own personal lives, right? Becoming leaders of our own life first before really trying to lead others. But um, the title is When David Becomes King. And so this is kind of um, un- a unique lesson because um, most people don't know that David actually was a king over Judah, one tribe. Before he was king over all of Israel So he spent time He spent time As Partial king So he went from Running from Saul To then becoming king over Judah And then to becoming king over Israel And so We're actually going to look at that transition In the scriptures We're going to read some verses To actually show us how that transition was but the kind of the premise here for us is that in our own lives it's important to understand that um, right now you may just be king over one tribe you may just be a leader over one thing in your life whether that's your family your job um, whatever it is that you do right but there's the inevitability inevitability of when we serve god God has a plan, right? God has a greater plan. God has something more for us. God has more leadership to give us in our lives. But that's really dependent on certain things happening, right? On how we believe, on how our faith works, on how we're using our faith. And so I'm, I'm not saying it's conditional on whether you're perfectly behaved or not, that God's going to fulfill his calling in your life, right? But there's still a decision to allow God to affect your life. You, you understand that God's blessings don't just come by osmosis where you just stand there and they come. No, they have to be prayed. They have to be asked for. Wisdom has to be asked for. Um, um, blessings have to be asked for, right? You have not because you ask not very very basic principle in the bible so we're going to learn how david went from that transition from being just over judah to the entire king of israel and certain things played out that were not favorable to david but ended up working in his favor so um, here in jeremiah 17 5 and 6 and i'm quoting from the english standard version of the esv and it says thus says the lord cursed is the man who trusts in men. cursed is the man who trusts in men and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord he is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land so here 's a curse from God for men who actually make the trust their trust other people not and not just other people their own flesh right when we make the flesh our strength right this is coming from a prophecy right this is from from a prophet and this is pretty pretty much a prophecy concerning how the new covenant works because we really talk about like having no confidence in the flesh We've, we've taught about it we've learned about it but here's an initial statement where, where I really want to um, start here because this is going to give us the idea of what, what's coming next when we talk about the story of David. We're going to go to 2 Samuel 3, but um, we're going to start at basically right from the beginning. But here's, here's, here's the issue that God has. Here's the curse that God places on men. Because of what? Because they put confidence. So you can be in the Lord. You can be serving God, you can be in church, but you could still put yourself under the curse. How? By putting your flesh as your strength, thinking that your strength is your discipline or your willpower or your own ability or your own talents or your own giftings and making yourself the strength of your life, right? And here's what's wrong with the believe in yourself mentality of the world, right? The, 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 the self-help mentality of, of, of becoming a better version of yourself. No, we're not. We're not preaching that because we're not trying to make our flesh our strength. We understand that we're dead. In this life that I have now, that I live in the body, belongs to Jesus. It's His life, right? So we've taught about this. And as we go forward, Second um, Samuel three. We're going to start at verse 3, 2 Samuel three. And the Bible says, um, go, getting into the story, the story of uh, David and, and Saul. And it says there was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. And David grew stronger and stronger, while the house of Saul became weaker and weaker. And so here's the here's here's again that that notion of the flesh becoming. When we make the flesh our strength, right? There, there was a long bore. Saul's name actually means desire. David's name means beloved. Okay, so there's two elements here. You have Saul, right? Who was, we're just looking at desire now. So it's almost desire versus me counting on the fact that I'm loved by God is why I'm blessed. So are you blessed because of your own desire or are you blessed because, right? you're the beloved and you have to pick and you see here if you're blessed because of desire right the house of Saul became weaker and weaker if you think it's my willpower that gets me something from God it makes me weaker and weaker if I understand that I'm in the beloved we're talking from grace, right? We're using this story as an element of grace. David is a leader, so he's becoming king. So as he's becoming king, he grew stronger and stronger. So they're they're in a war. These two these two things, the fact that, that I'm blessed because I'm loved by God is at war with I'm blessed because I do good. In our lives. There's a war. Okay? And First Timothy six says. First Timothy six eleven says, "But you, O man of God, just pick a side." And First um, Timothy six eleven says, "But you, O man of God, flee these things, and pursue righteousness." Godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Um, here's the the problem with how we interpret this. We look at these things as like, oh, pursue these actions, right? Pursue righteous actions. Pursue godly actions. Pursue actions of faith, actions of love, actions of patience and gentleness. And then verse 12 says, fight the good fight. And when you, you see fight the good fight, it can be better translated competing your compete go compete in a noble competition of obtaining faith right that's what it, that's what the good, the good fight is the no, it's a noble competition that, you, that, you, that you, you you go compete you fight you go gain what faith but understand righteousness godliness faith they're all nouns it's so important that we understand that they're nouns person place or things right there's these elements of of righteousness by faith that it's talking about here not a right not 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 to pursue a a, um, an action based righteousness where I'm I'm, I'm doing righteous deeds right see in inevitably we want to get to righteous deeds that's what we want to get to but we first have to take the identity pursue the identity so that you can have the results not, not, not pursue the, re- the results To achieve the identity So that's why it's telling us to pursue These things Faith Right Righteousness Love Patience They're all nouns You can look in the Greek They're all nouns Fight the good fight So going back to 2 Samuel There was a long war between the house of Saul And the house of David Saul means desire David means beloved David grew stronger, the house of Saul grew weaker. So they were at a war. David's only king over one tribe, tribe of Judah, right? And in this 2 Samuel 3, at the end of it, he becomes king over all of Israel. So we get to see that in order to like grow in our leadership, we're going to take this passage and break it down and really see there's a fight that we need to focus on. And it's the fight of continually having faith. Continually getting to a point where we're reaching for faith. What does is, what is me reaching for faith as a noun look like? I'm not reaching to have faith in a specific event that God's going to help me overcome in a specific event. I'm constantly fighting for the, the justification by faith. Because it's a noun. It's referring to the justification by faith. Is that there's going to be that my enemy is desire. My enemy is constantly thinking that I'm right with God by what I do. That's my enemy, right? And how do I defeat that enemy with David? is the fact that I'm right with God because Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and I'm the beloved, and I'm loved by God. And that is how I begin to embrace justification by faith, and I obtain that faith. It's a part from me. It's a faith that comes from God that's given to men. It says... Um, They hold on to eternal life, to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So it's talking about they were, we're believers, right? We're saved. So you see the the analogy here of like fighting, right? The long war. 2 Samuel 3. While there was war between the house of Saul and the house of David, Abner was making himself strong in the house of Saul. And Saul had a concubine whose name was Rizbah, and the daughter of Ai. And, Ish-bosh, um, and Ishbosheth said to Abner, Why have you gone into my father's concubine? Then Abner was very angry over the words of Ishbosheth and said, Am I a dog's head of Judah? So he kind of makes a snarky, con- a snarky comment back to Ishbosheth Ishbosheth is the son of Saul. You can see right there it says he's gone into his father's concubine um in verse eight um abner was very angry over the words of ishbosheth that said i am i a dog's head of judah to this day i keep showing steadfast love to the house of saul your father to his brothers and to his friends and have not and have not given you into the hand of david so abner is a very like confident man like this guy is like really saying like he has the power to shift um To, to, to like, kind of, oust Saul, right, and everybody, and then he says, and yet you charge me today with a fault concerning a woman. Like he was, he was kind of like so mad at it. Um, God do so to Abner and more also, if I do not accomplish for David what the Lord has sworn to him. So Abner gets gets a new conviction that now he's gonna make sure David becomes king. And verse 10 says, This is what God swore to David, to transfer the kingdom from the house of Saul and set up the throne of David over Israel and over Judah from Dan to Beersheba. And Ishbosheth could not answer Abner another word because he feared him. And Abner sent messengers to David on his behalf, saying, To whom does the land belong? Make your covenant with me, and behold, my hand shall be with you to bring over all of israel so abner is like a key person in helping david um obtain full kingship right and he, and, and we're, we're we're learning to lead in life and you're gonna see there's a there's a dependence right on 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 a leader on on david right on other people to make things happen right it's kind of it's kind of interesting is that there's no leadership without other people let's just put it that way right there's no there's no there's no kingship without a kingdom right so some people think oh i'm gonna get to the title and i'm gonna treat everyone bad along the way and i'm gonna step on their heads right but you're gonna learn we're we're learning today specifically is that um, learning to lead has less to do with what you do has less to do with how you do it has less to do with what your title is Or, or, or it has more to do with how you treat people And we're going to learn that through this story You're going to find it very interesting Because um, Abner is treated bad In the house of Saul, right? He's offended So he, he literally backstabs Saul Right? And it's like going to David now is going to give them, give him a kingdom because Saul's son Ishbosheth made accusations against him. This is drama <laughs> at its finest, right? So let's keep reading because there's, there's so much here. Second uh, Samuel three, and then verse thirteen, and he said, "Good, I will make a covenant with you, but one thing I require of you is that you shall not see my face unless you first bring Micael, Saul's daughter." when you come to see my face. Then David sent messengers to Ishbosheth, Saul's son saying, Give me Then David sent messengers to Ishbosheth Saul's son saying, Give me my, my wife, Michal. And this name means who is like God, okay? And who for whom I paid the bridal price of a hundred foreskins of the Philistines. And Ishbosheth sent and took her from her husband, Patel, the son of Laish, and, but her husband went with her, weeping after her all the way. So David asks for his wife back. In this, in this negotiation of uh, becoming king, David's not focused on the kingship as much as he is on getting his wife back. Here's an emphasis on, on, a, on a person, right? And I think this is a cool typology of Jesus Christ is that I think we really in Christianity in our walk with God can become better leaders when Jesus is in his rightful place, right? When, we, when we're in relationship with him, when we're in, in marriage to him, when He's, when we realize that before I do anything as a king, I need to make sure this, my marriage is right we're not just talking you can talk literal like literal marriage but you're also talking about your marriage to god right the bible uses the the, the phraseology of marriage in relation with us to god so it's making sure that that's right so verse 15 and Ishbosheth sent and took her from her husband right verse 16 but her husband went with her weeping so her husband she she got remarried to someone else Right? So she had to live with another husband because of Saul. Saul made her get married to someone else, even though she was David's wife. So, I mean, this is like drama at its finest. I mean, literally, like you, you're re- we're really talking. So her husband, who she married, he's weeping. He's weeping because... He's like, no, that's my wife. And then David's like, no, I'm getting my wife back, you know, who gets the wife, the king, right? King David gets the wife. Then Abner said to him, go return. And he returned. So he listened to Abner and Abner conferred with the elders of Israel saying, for some time past, you have been seeking David as king over you. Now then bring it about. The Lord has promised David, saying, "By the hand of my servant David, I will save my people Israel from the hand of the Philistines and from the hand of all their enemies." So here's the here's the here's the here's the profound thing: Abner, all of a sudden, is like this extreme advocate for David. But look, it, Abner knows the prophecies concerning David. So we don't see. Let's just put it this way: we don't see like perfect intentions from Abner. Abner doesn't have the most perfect intentions. But he knows that David's king and he still served Saul. Which is weird, right? He, Because he's the one quoting the prophecy. He knew this. And he knew that basically the leaders of Israel wanted David as king. Because that's what God had told them. Promised them. They want to win their wars. They want to win their battles, right? So we only win our battles when when... The right people are in, in leadership. You know, we, we, we really only do. This is why it's important that you, before you put yourself under someone, you make sure that you, you trust where they're going, right? And you trust that they they, they have a call in word of God, right? Like, I wouldn't want anyone to feel, like, to ever come to, like, Conquer Church that doesn't feel like, oh, this, this church and this leadership or this pastor has a call from God to do this, right? That... It's okay if you it's okay if someone doesn't believe that, but we would want them to believe that, right? Because that's what we believe at this point. Now verse 18. Now then bring it about, for the Lord has promised David, saying, By the hand of my servant David, will I save my people from Is people Israel from the hand of the Philistines and from the hand of all their enemies. Abner also spoke to Benjamin, and then Abner went to tell David at Hebron all that Israel and the whole house of Benjamin thought good to do. This is a pretty detailed story. 2 Samuel 3 verse 20. When Abner came with 20 men to David at Hebron, David made a feast for Abner and the men who were with him. So look how David treats Abner. Okay. I'm going to give you some context about Abner. Abner recently killed somebody. Notable. Okay. He, he did something pretty, like bad. And abner said to david i will arise and go and will gather all israel to the lord the, to my lord the king i mean he's already calling david king right I, like, look how fast this guy is transitioning that they may make a covenant with you and that you may reign over all that your heart desires so david sent abner away and he went in peace so verse 22 and here's where it gets really drama dramatic just then the servants of David arrived with Joab. Abner recently killed Joab's brother, He just murdered him, from a raid. They came back from a raid, bringing much spoil with them. But Abner was not with David at Hebron, for he had sent him away, and he had gone in peace. When Joab and all the army that was with him came, it was told to Joab, Abner the son of Ner, came to the king, and he, and he had let him go. And he has uh, gone in peace. Then Joab went to the king and said, So Joab went to David. You're going to note this that Joab actually, um, his name is omitted from the mighty men of David. So his name, because of what he does next, his name is omitted. He's, he, the story is told about him, but he's not recalled as a mighty man of David anymore. Okay. Then Joab went to the king and said, what have you done? So he's questioning David, right? Behold, Abner came to you. Why is it that you have sent him away so that he is gone? You know that Abner the sinner came to deceive you and to know you're going out and you're coming in and to know all that you are doing. So Joab makes it about, oh, um, Abner's a deceiver, right? He's a deceiver. But, But Joab has vengeance in his heart. So, it's crazy how when people have, sometimes like people can have bad intentions, right, and then disguise it. And they're like, they're pleading against someone or something for, for reasons that are personal, right? You see this happen a lot in churches and in situations, right, where, you, 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 I think I've even been a victim to it at times, where you just kind of plead against someone. Who you might have like this little grudge against In your heart And you're, it's, it's more about the grudge But you're trying to make it about like a character flaw In them right you have to be careful that we don't become like Job in, in this way 2 Samuel 3 26 and it says When Job came out From David's presence He sent messengers after Abner And they brought him back from the From the sister of uh, Sarah But David did not know about it so notice here how joab goes he does his own thing and david didn't know about it and even when we don't know about like what happens notice this this event is going to set david up as king okay but this is what it looks like joab's about to ruin his opportunity to become king for a personal matter. So Job's gonna ruin the will of God because he has a personal matter to attend to. If he kills Abner, right, then how is his covenant gonna be accomplished with Israel? And Abner's the middleman, he's the mediator, right? Again, kind of like a Jesus on the cross, right? He dies. They kill the mediator, right? They think it's done. Okay, the deal's over. But because of the power of God, the deal actually is completed because of a death, right? This is just typology. I love it sometimes. Um, Verse 27. So when Abner returned to Hebron, Job took him aside into the midst of the gate to speak to him privately. And there he struck him in the stomach so that he died. For the blood of Asherah's brother. After words. When David heard of it. He said. I and my kingdom are forever guiltless. Before the Lord. For the blood of Abner the son of Ner. May it fall upon the head of Joab. And upon all his father's house. And may the house of Joab. Never be without one. Who has a discharge. Or who is leprous. Or who holds a spindle. Or who falls by the sword. Or who lacks bread. So Joab and um, Abishai, his brother, killed Abner because he had put their brother Ashiel to death in the battle of Gibeon. So in the previous chapter, in chapter 2, this is where Abner kills Joab's brother. And then we're here in chapter 3 reading about how Joab's getting revenge on Abner. And then David makes it clear. Because remember, he has to make it clear, right? Wait a minute, like, it's like I'm making a deal with Abner, right? And then it seems like he sent Job to kill Abner to take him out, basically, like, to scratch the deal, right? Like, it's over, you know, we're done. But the way David responds to this situation, makes all the difference in the world verse 31 then David said to Job and to all the people who were with him tear your clothes and put on sackcloth and mourn before Abner so he literally like kind of puts uh, Job goes into this embarrassing moment where he now is having to like repent this is sackcloth and ashes this is Old Testament repentance right at its finest ripping your clothes off uh, you know basically becoming like naked and putting ashes on your head you know and, the, and King David followed. So here's some points. Let's talk about the focus of these few men here. David's focus is on the return of his wife and the mourning of Abner, not being on king. These are the two focuses of David. David's focus is on people in this story. Next one, Abner's focus was on his own dignity, Abner was a man of reputation, right? Cuz Ishbosheth feared Abner. The son of Saul? If I'm the son of the king, I'm not going to fear Abner. Right? I'm the son of the king. But Ishbosheth feared Abner. So Abner. Abner's presence was he was a dominating presence. He was a strong strong like powerful, willful man, you know? And so he was when he was like talked at like he was a a, a sleeping with Saul's wife he was like his dignity was on the line and he said scratch that I'm no longer serving King Saul I'm going to go make sure David becomes king you guys have no integrity you know in the house so he was focused on his dignity Joe's focus was on getting even vengeance Saul's focus was on staying king Ishbosheth's focus was on fear and so there's many things we can focus on you can be you can focus on being king but the more you focus on being king the less likely you are to become king and i want to point this out because the, the one who becomes king is the one who focuses on real people on actual people the one who becomes king this is why he's anointed king in the first place right he's focused on the people second samuel 3 32 They buried Abner at Hebron, and the king lifted up his voice and wept at the grave of Abner, and all the people wept. And the king lamented for Abner, saying, Should Abner die as a fool dies? Your hands were not bound, your feet were not fettered. As one falls before the wicked, you have fallen. This is asserting that Abner was a warrior. He was super capable, like a of winning a, a one-on-one fight, right? But he 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 was Come here, let me talk to you and then he stabbed, right? So he was manipulated like, oh we're good, we're good, and then boom. He took um Job took his life. And so David lamented, right? And all the people wept again over him. So they were He made a real um true respect to Abner, okay, then all the people came to persuade David to eat bread while it was yet day, but David swore saying, God do to me, God do so to me, and more also if I taste bread or anything else till the sun goes down, so he's saying, may I like die like Abner, may something like that happen to me if I eat, David's Respect of Abner is like, is confusing to the people because they're like, we're assuming you did it, right? Because Joab is your is your one of your captains. He's your go-to man to do. Joab came from a war. Jo- Joab came from spoils. A captain leading a, a group of soldiers, right? So, but. Then it's verse 36 says, And all the people took notice of it, and it pleased them, as everything that the king did pleased all the people. Okay? When you're a leader, and, and even in your life, like any kind of leadership, it's, you, you, you're going to care about what, your, how your actions affect those you lead. Right? You have to care. But he didn't do it. Because he cared about their actions, he did it because that was his true heart, right? And his actions, because even in this scenario, this doesn't mean that the people have to be like, have to believe that he's sincere. They can doubt it, you know? But the people took notice. They saw that it was sincere, they saw that it was real, that he really cared for Abner, right? They mourned over him twice. He refused to eat. Just the way he cared was enough to please the people. That's what that's what pleases the people we lead, right? If we're doing something where we have leadership over people, it's like when we show care and concern. And I'm going to apply this to a lot of different areas of life right now. But just when we show care and concern, just like even in the spiritual sense, over one person, uh, have you eaten? Right? Are you thirsty? Are you hungry? When we when we start, that's more leadership from a biblical look at David right from from one tribe to twelve tribes he's going to go from one tribe to twelve tribes right now verse 37 so all the people and all of Israel's understood that day that it had not been the king's will to put to death Abner the son of Nur. so because of how he responded they understood he didn't make that decision and the king said to his servants Do you not know that a prince and a great man has fallen this day in Israel? And I was gentle today, though anointed king, these men, the sons of Zerah, are more severe, which means stiff-necked, full of pride, than I. The Lord repay the evildoers according to his wickedness. So, he calls this pride, right, that Joab had, wickedness. Right, because what Job did, what Job did, is put himself, his desires, his wants, in front of the greater good. Right, to, to, for his personal gain, and this is kind of how like corporate like, I worked in banking, so this is kind of how banking works, where um, you put your head, your foot on someone's neck and shoulder, right, to to elevate yourself. Right. You 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 put someone down to get to where you're going. You take he's taking Abner out to get to his ultimate goal, you know? And it's a pride, it's a it's a self-centeredness, it's a selfishness, right? Yeah. No, just a lot of industries. But and it's called evil. And it's called wickedness. So here's some things that we're just kind of like make come full circle and make some application, is that learning to be king, which is, and being king means having, like your calling, right? Being a leader in your family, being a leader at your job, being a leader in your friendships, being a leader in your ministry, being a leader in whatever aspect of the life that is, you know, you're in control of. It's not about the title, but it's about people. In your in your family right it's not about oh like i'm leader i'm first to eat no leader means i'm i'm making sure you all eat right and i'm making sure that your heart is happy because you eat you're eating you know i'm 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 concerned for you i'm concerned for the individuals that i'm in charge of that i'm given the grace to be in charge of it's not about, oh, I, I'm I'm the I'm, I'm the I'm the dad, so I get to do whatever I want, you know what I mean? Whatever I say goes. It's not about what you saying goes because you're dad. It's about being caring and loving and, and, and willing to sacrifice, right? We see David, um, even David for his mighty men, he he made certain sacrifices and he his heart just towards the people was so like tender. In loving towards the individual you can have a title but never be a leader until you care about the people above the calling in religion we're taught reverse right forsake people for your calling religion teaches us to forsake people for the calling but David honored a man for the small amount of good he did did he did do but Abner let's realize Abner was on a mission for himself Abner murdered and Abner was disloyal to his own king he was disloyal to his it's almost like having a relationship with like starting a relationship with somebody but they're cheating on someone else and then they leave that person right and then they come to you it's like well I just I'm dating a cheater what if they do that to me right there's a fear there there should there should be that fear it's like that habit doesn't go away just because you came in the picture right what about when the next best comes there's that there's that that happens and so you're in you're in a situation like we're looking at this from a from a from a learning to lead my life i'm learning to lead my life god gave me a life um i'm in charge of it i have to, to 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 be a good steward over it right how do i become a good steward over things is it when you care about people and you focus on the well-being of people around you and that you're leading in, in your job, in your friendships, in your work, in your calling, okay? Leadership just comes out of you. It's natural. Because that's what leadership is. But when you're concerned about how you look, Right? are you benefiting right are you getting all the respect and honor that you feel like you deserve and it's about your title and your name and and, and, right and it'll show that you don't really care about anybody yeah so the true challenge in, in I think the world that's because of like social media and we're so focused on like ourselves right promoting ourselves um it's harder to be have a heart for people, to care about the well-being of people, you know. And I, I mean, even as like a leader myself, I'm I'm trying to become more of the person that like I sit with you, I'm talking with you, I sit with you talking with you, or just with anybody. And then it's like, wait a minute, have I asked some basic questions? How are you doing? Are you well? You know? If I have any clue, are you are you hungry? are you thirsty, right, are you, um, what's on your mind, what do you want to talk about, right, these are like, this is what makes you a quality person, above any title or anything, and God sees this, right, and God sees this, this is you using grace, when you act in this way, when you're, when you're like, because what you're saying is, I'm willing to give right now, to, to a person. I'm willing to be giving because I already know that he's going to backfill. Right? My warehouse isn't empty because it's it's God's warehouse. So I don't have hesitate. When we believe God is holding back from us we tend to like withhold. We tend to withhold from giving to others because we feel like oh he's I don't have a warehouse so, so God's blessings behind me. I, I, just, I have nothing so I'm like going to hold and be stingy right I'm going to keep it to myself but in Christianity in our in our Christian faith especially with with uh, believing in God we need to have we need to have a faith that's that's, um, understandable to people where people can see that wait a minute like this guy gave without a second thought this guy blessed without a second thought which which that's who he is I want to follow that guy You know I want to be around that kind of person Right not, And it's not Obviously you got people who are going to latch on And kind of Take a little more than they should right? <laughs> Sometimes But um, And that's for us to be wise about Right Just Be wise Know when you're being taken advantage of But at the same time, when you you give because you know God supplies, you don't really worry about that kind of stuff, you know? You start worrying about that stuff when you don't feel like God is supplying. So it's just having that people mentality that leadership is about people. At my job, how am I treating my coworkers well? How's your day? How's work going? Is there anything I can help you with? Right. in my family in my, in my making sure they're well hey is there anything that's going on that you need help with this week I just want to make sure because I have a busy week and if I can help you with something I will You know, that's taking initiative that's being a leader without any titles and that's more impactful to people than you being being Oh, like this guy here just has a you know like a nice title. He's he's the pastor you know, of nothing <laughs> because you don't do anything for anyone, you know. Obviously, this is all done through grace. We understand that we're saved. We understand that we're secure, right? But this is how um, how it works is when we have good character because we've produ- it's produced from the grace that we have, right? It breeds good things in our life. Good things. So we're saved. We have that solidified, right? That transitions into good character, right? And let's be, let's be, let's use some common sense. When you have good character, good things happen, right? When you're giving, when you're generous. Even rich people say, oh, be generous, right? It's kind of a weird thing, right? Like, I got here because I was generous. You hear a lot of people say that. Not everyone, but you hear enough of them say that. It's a, it's actually a principle of like multimillionaires, Warren Buffett, you know. So, make it about people. Make your job, your calling, your friendships, your ministry, make it about the people, and you will become a better leader in those areas of life. Not that you want to be a leader. I know some of us don't always want to be a leader, right? But there's people that need your leadership. Why? Because you've already overcome some of the battles that they have yet to overcome. And they need to learn from you. Whether that's a friend, whether that's a family member, whether that's an entire group of people, whether that's an entire church one day, right? We don't know. But it's about people, David made it about the people, and that's what made him worthy of being king, right? You're going to be saved, I'm going to be saved, you're going to be saved, right? But will we do anything for God? Will we do anything for God? Will we actually effectively be able to lead people to to salvation? Right? And that's heavily determined on whether or not we stop we take the focus off of things, um, titles, positions, and, and how things look, and we, I don't care how it looks. Are you well? Are you well? Are you okay? You know what I mean? That's, that's really the, the, the true nature of. There's a guy, uh, Simon Sinek, and uh, he does plenty of leadership studies, all kinds of podcasts. Great great guy to listen to, uses everything from the Bible, but I don't think he necessarily believes in God. But all his principles are pretty much biblical. Uh, I was learning, I was kinda of listening there. And he and he and he makes it that and he, he made this example about leadership and he said that if um he talked to many leaders, he did many surveys of, of leaders, of whether they were in the army, whether they're in the Navy or the Marines, right? Different kinds of leadership in corporate America and all these different places. And then he talked to the people being led and he did surveys to the people being led, you know? And they're like, well, what, what made you,
1: um,
0: he kind of like used Mother Teresa as an example in, in one specific situation where he said, we would have no problem giving Mother Teresa Two billion dollars versus the guys in the bank, right? The leaders in the bank, and it's an innate thing. Like Gandhi, like you think about these people, we have no issue giving them these grants and money, right? And and he made this position of because because of their willingness to sacrifice themselves for another for other people. Right, they're willing to sacrifice themselves for other people. And then, when he talked to the people that followed these leaders, who like, like, you know, there was a colonel uh these people were like, "Well, why do you, why do you follow him?" And it's like, because he, he would, he would sacrifice himself for me, and I believe that. So there's this like constant reciprocation is that when you're willing to sacrifice yourselves for the people, the people become willing to sacrifice themselves for you. And it creates this sacrificing environment, right? Where we're in it together, where it's it's not, I'm not a leader because, oh, like um, I'm better or I'm more advanced or I'm smarter. It's just, I'm willing to sacrifice that's why you would be a leader because you're willing to sacrifice what maybe someone else wouldn't be able to sacrifice, right? That's, that's the, that's the point. That's why people trust you with leadership and trust us with leadership is because they say, well, I trust you with leadership because I trust that you're willing to do the hard thing that all of us aren't willing to do, right? For like, CEOs is probably like, oh, get a certain degree or get a certain education, right? That sacrifice of going to school for this many years, right, or whatever the case is, whatever the sacrifice is, it's still, a, in, indeed, a sacrifice. And that if a person can perceive it and understand it, that's being done for them, then they'll naturally do it for them. It's just a, a byproduct leadership is really about sacrificing ourselves this is why the premise of jesus's leadership okay is based on his sacrifice on the cross for us why do we follow him well he loved us well how did he he just didn't just oh nice you know here i love you guys bye right like no (laughs) he died on the cross there's no greater love than, than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. Referring to himself, right? And I call you my friends. He made it clear. I'm yeah. calling you my friends and I'm going to lay my my life down for you. And notice he called them friends even though he's their master. Even though he's their God. Their savior. So he was, I, he was eye to eye with them, right? He says, I'm here with you and I'm gonna, and I'm still going to do it. So it's just really having that individual, we're dealing with people, it's about people, 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 and people, nothing else. Yeah, we can get into the technicalities of how things should be done, organizational skills and behaviors and patterns, right? But when it comes down to it, the nitty gritty, you're a true leader in this society and world when you truly care about people. You'll make more of a difference, you'll do more, and in, in turn, have a greater effect, right? Um.